Good day, friends. Welcome to Our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer and the creator of your life that you have been looking for all along. So this week's challenge might be a challenging one for some of us out there, but the more resistance that you might find yourself in toward this challenge, the more I actually challenge you to take it on. Seriously, there is so much noise in the world, like literally information overload, that are like all this information that is coming into our minds at lightning speeds as we scroll Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and even listen to podcasts. Yep, I said it. Look, everything I just mentioned, they're tools and they can be used for good and they can be used in a way that harms us. And I can admit that there are times when I am so overwhelmed by all the information overload that I feel like I just need to turn my phone off, turn the TV off, and turn the radio off and just hide in my room in silence. I often wonder how it's even possible to connect to our own inner knowing and our own inspirations if we're always taking in everyone else's opinions, beliefs, and actions and information all around us. So my challenge for you this week is to simply start experiencing what it might be like if we cut out some of the noise and commit to yourself a 24-hour social media fast. Yes, that means no Instagram, no Facebook, no TikTok, no Snapchat, no Telegram, and no whatever else is out there in the social media platform world. Um, I would honestly even challenge you to go as far as saying no YouTube and no podcasts. But, of course, after you finish listening to this one. <laughs> um But doing that for a full 24 hours, I'm curious, when was the last time you did take a full 24 hours off of everyone else's input to check in with your own? Who knows? Maybe you do this and you realize that it is so potent and valuable that you decide to dedicate one day a week media free. I think this could be a really valuable experiment and I hope that you will participate. And if you do, please let me know how it goes for you. So, our guest today is Nellie Barnett. Nellie has a very in-depth understanding of the knowledge that GNM and GHK offers us into the inner workings of our bodies and the language of our body, which you might know as symptoms. Um, today, she shares several personal stories of how this knowledge has supported her on her own healing journey, as well as many fun insights into the world of GNM GHK. And we even get into the concept of fasting and how this can support someone's inner work uh, journey. Although, keep in mind, she does preface and explain that fasting is not for everybody. So please don't hear this episode and just go out and do a long fast on your own without doing proper in-depth research and making sure that it's right for you. And just as a reminder, in case you are new to this podcast and new to the term GNM GHK, it does stand for German New Medicine and Germanic Healing Knowledge. 
And if this is a new concept to you and you want to understand more about its basics, um, look to the show notes and uh, there'll be some episode options where we dive into uh, GNM GHK 101 and give you some broader understanding of what that entails. For now, let's go ahead and welcome Nellie to the show. All right, Nellie, thank you so much for being here with me today. I am so excited for this conversation. So welcome. I'm very excited as well. Thanks for having me, Chasmin. Absolutely. Um, so I think the way I usually like to start things out is kind of just open the floor for you to share a little bit about yourself, your background, and really what I'm really curious about is how you became interested and so immersed in the world of uh, German New Medicine and uh, Germanic healing knowledge yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um so this is always a really interesting question because like Germany medicine has been in my world for about seven or eight years now. So I think it was, oh, what was it? 20, sorry, 20, oh, I can't even remember when I found it seven years ago. What's that? My math is not great. GNM's great. Math's not great. Um, <laughs> so whatever that is, but I always say like seven or eight years, but then actually when I look at it, I've kind of been in this um, industry and the holistic health world almost a lifetime. Like I remember when I was a kid, just not resonating with medications, just feeling like something wasn't right um, with the system. And like that was always there in me right from very, very young. And then when I went through my, I had a pretty rough like teens emotionally. Um, and then I think one of the pivotal moments for me was I met a guy <laughs> when I was like 17 and he was 11 years older than me. Um, and I pretty much literally went overnight from like a straight, a every Sunday church going really quiet, good girl to pretty much sex, drugs, and rock and roll overnight <laughs> with this guy. And I was thrown into this really crazy world. And through that process, like it actually ended up being a very abusive relationship. Um, and I basically, by the end of that relationship it was about two and a half, three years, I was in the depths of pretty much a suicidal depression. And that was, I'd had like really interesting like smaller ones the whole way along, you know, smaller kind of depressions. And I'd always been a pretty emotional being, but it got hectic at the end of this relationship. And that was what prompted me. So I was 19 then, um, 19 going on 20. And that's when I really started looking into personal development, personal growth, like really trying to understand my brain and myself. I remember going to the doctor and being like, you know, I don't want to be here. I'm in some kind of depression, but I also don't want to take medication. What can you recommend? And he didn't really have a lot for me. I think he put me onto like St. John's wort or something, which is a, like a herbal, herbal remedy. But I was kind of like, okay, you guys aren't going to do anything for me. <laughs> so I sort of took matters into my own hands and um, yeah, just really started delving into the mind. The very first thing that I came across actually it's really interesting this came up in conversation the other day with a, a girlfriend the very first thing that happened for me was a friend gave me a book called Girlosophy I don't know if you guys have it in the US or um yeah whether you've come across it but it's just a book of like really inspirational 
quotes, sayings, paragraphs, poems, writings, and beautiful pictures to go with it. Really, really invigorating, inspirational, motivational text. Um, and I remember when I got these books, the, there was two in the series and the first one, I read the entire book in one night and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and basically cried out like three years of abuse and grief um, was starting to strip away the layers. And then I ended up rereading the book and I wrote out every piece that really meant something to me. And then I read the second book. That was the very start of my personal development journey and coming to understand the mind. Um, and then from there, like I sort of started uphill from there and I went through some other interesting things in life. Um, and then throughout sort of my twenties and thirties, I experienced another few kind of, um, I guess like depression states. And each time I got more conscious about how I wanted to pull myself out of those. So one of those uh, times actually took me into studying and becoming certified in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And that was originally like a personal um, thing that I wanted to do. But it's really interesting because that ended up becoming a big part of, um, you know, the work I do now as well, integrated with Germany Medicine. So there's all these little steps along the way that are kind of like stepping stones that were always there in my path <laughs> towards where I am and what I'm doing now. And then it was around, um, I did some other certifications in between. Um, and then, yeah, when I discovered Germany Medicine, so eight years ago, so I reckon it must have been about 2015. And there we go, my mass is catching up now. <laughs> and um, somebody actually, I was kind of in another bit of a funky state. Um, my body wasn't coping very well. I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I just felt like my body was not working. And I went to see a friend of my partner's for a kinesiology session. And in that session, we also spoke about um, juice fasting, which is also now a part of the work I do. And he just dropped this little seed right at the end of the session. About, he basically said, have you heard of German New Medicine? And I was like, no, what's that? And he gave me this tiny little snippet of what it was. And it was instant for me, like an instant drop in the body I was like I describe it like it felt like I was coming home it felt like somebody had finally put a language to everything that I had intuitively known my whole life and I knew there was this massive calling in my soul I knew I had to follow that seed and I jumped right into uh, basically self-study of Germany medicine there was not very much um, education readily available at that point in time, particularly like I didn't know anyone else in Australia who was basically even knew about it or doing anything with it. So lots of self-study. And then I ended up um, getting into some networks in the US and Canada and um, studying through uh, quite a few people, a few different teachers, some who had been first-hand students of Dr. Harma and some who had um, carried on work from there. And yeah, so then um, shortly after that, I completed my first fast so I fasted for the entire month of February um, and that completely changed my life and in that time I was studying Germany medicine learning about it and it just my, my whole world changed like it was a complete game changer for me my body changed my mind changed everything changed and out of that capsule actually my business was born as well um, so that's kind of how I got to here now um, like I said, lots of little stepping stones along the way, following the breadcrumbs of just where I'm meant to be and what I was meant to be doing 
um, and the little golden threads. So yeah, that's that's the story of me in like five minutes <laughs> to date. <laughs> uh, it was really, uh, it was very um, well said. And I'm so curious. So you said uh, that the fasting for an entire month changed your life. And I'm curious in what ways and how and what your experience was like, because that's a real big commitment. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, and it was the fast, but I, I also believe that it was the work, like the study that I was doing in Germany medicine as well. So it was two, it was the fast was facilitating a lot of things on a physical level. And then what I was learning and implementing with the knowledge of Germany medicine was really going to work on an emotional uh, mental level as well. And, you know, then that ripples through the biology too. Um, but how did it change my life? Um, I let go of 13 kilos in a month to begin with. And I just felt like I completely reset my body and mind system. Um, so yeah, just like physically, obviously big external changes. Um, <laughs> I had a bit of a Britney Spears moment at the end of it and shaved off all my hair. Cause I just had this overwhelming feeling of like, I don't want this old, um, information on me anymore. Um, so I shaved off all the hair and, about two or three days before I finished the fast, I remember I had one day where it was just complete emotional, mental breakdown to break through. So I literally just cried in bed the whole day. And I wrote down, I remember writing down everything that was still in my mind that was still challenging me, that I still felt triggered by, that I still felt emotion around. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote everything that I could remember from my life. And that kind of became, I guess, a roadmap for what I worked with over the coming years in terms of my own personal development and sort of stripping away those layers. Um, so, yeah, it just completely changed the way that my body felt. It reset everything and it completely changed the way that my mind started looking at things and feeling about things as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty big commitment, like a month. I just ran straight into it. <laughs> um, but the fast, like, you know, and I just fell in love with fasting. So a fast can facilitate so many different things. Like it, it gives so much space on the physical level because our body is not, it's no longer digesting, no, no longer has the job of digestion. So it can go to work, you know, healing and sorting things out and really getting stuck into things. And it also gives a lot of space on the mental, emotional level too, because food has become such an addiction for so many people. It's such a crux, you know, it's something we go to for a lot of comfort. I believe we eat far more than we need to for survival. Um, and so it gives, because again, that's not happening while, like we're literally not pushing things down with food, gives a lot of space for that emotional, mental um, subjects to rise and that's where then we can work so powerfully with Germany medicine to look at those conflicts, look at those traumas and start the resolution process, which then results in that biological program resolution and symptom resolution. And because we're not eating, the body has lots of time and space to sort that out on a physical level too. So does that make sense about how that kind of um, intertwines? <laughs> it does. Absolutely. And so did you do a juice fast or like a water fast? I did a juice fast that time. Um, so that was four weeks of, yes, yeah, strictly cold pressed uh, juices. Wow. And 
there was quite a bit, like there were quite a few days in there where I just didn't feel like juice. So I just had water. So there was technically some water fasting in there. And then I've done several smaller juice fasts since and also a 16 day water fast, which again was phenomenal and just like a whole nother layer again. <laughs> um, so yeah, pretty big experiences, pretty amazing. And you didn't even prepare for that. Like a lot of people suggest that you cut certain foods out of your diet and you do certain things to prepare for extended fast, even, you know, three to five day fast. Um, mm. So that you don't have those, all that, that pain from like withdrawals of like the glucose and, um, and well, I guess you're getting it at least still in the fruit, but how, did you get any kind of like detox, like pain or symptoms come up in your body? Yeah. Um, so a little bit. So my tough patch was about a week in, um, I found it quite difficult. There were some headaches, but nothing, you know, nothing like crazy, nothing super drastic. And having now guided, you know, hundreds of people through the same process, I find that it's just so different for everyone. And we do prepare. So I did do a bit of preparation um, in that fast as well. So I did just start kind of cleaning up the diet for a few weeks beforehand um, and just being a bit, yeah, a bit more conscious about what I was eating. But, you know, I, I didn't go uh, all out, but I do now, you know, part of what I guide through clients through now is definitely a preparation phase prior to the fasting um, and a bowel detox kit as well, which I did too. Um, so that kind of cleans out the insides, scrubs them out. Um, so yeah, I just find it so different for everyone. Like some people who actually have a clean diet can have really gnarly detox symptoms and really gnarly symptoms in those first few days or that first week. And then some other people who really don't have a great diet sort of cruise through it and have nothing. So this is, you know, down to the individual. And I wonder, you know, like where mine go, my mind goes as well, but having, knowing German new medicine is that, you know, what is it doing on that level? So what are we, um, you know, potentially someone's going into healing phases in that first week through the fast. So if somebody's not in active conflict, they might not have severe what we call detox symptoms because potentially potentially they're not detox symptoms, potentially they're biological programs that are resolving. Right. Um, so, you know, that's where we can, we really start, you know, the whole thing is about looking at the individual, there's no blanket approach to health and healing. I believe it's so individualized because it's based on the individual's experiences and the way that the individual perceives those experiences and so many other factors. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious what your thought is on this, because there are some schools of thought that suggest that doing, um, and I, I, I say detox in quotations, but doing intense forms of like detox, like juice fast or water fast. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of people that believe that if we do this, when we're actually already dysregulated in our nervous system, that it can be harder on us. Yeah. Do you have any, any experience with this with, um, yourself or clients? Yeah, I'd agree with that statement if it's not done properly, for sure. Um, and so that this is why I'm a massive advocate for having some kind of guide, especially in your first fast, because it's really important to prep the body. It's really important to prep the mind and make sure that the mind and the body are on the same page and they know what's going to happen. Um, because the other risk here, right, is if we're running into a fast um, unprepared and unguided, again, from a German new medicine perspective, we risk setting off things like starvation conflicts or existence conflicts or 
um, you know, all these different conflicts that, you know, if, if we don't have the mind properly prepared and in the right place, these things can happen. Um, so yeah, to some extent, I, I agree with that. It's not for everyone. Um, but I do believe that when it is prepared for properly and guided properly that, you know, there's most candidates can achieve it successfully. Mm -hmm. How do you personally assess like with your clients, if it would be appropriate for them? Sure. Um, so I do look at things like body weight, you know, how much excess fuel does the candidate have? Um, seasonal factors. Like I don't think it's a great idea to fast during winter because we get quite cold. Um, so here in Australia at the moment, we're coming into winter. So I'm not really focused on, um, fasting at the moment in terms of um clients and that sort of thing but you know us america canada you guys ready to roll um and so yeah seasonal uh body weight um i will take into like my intake form i ask things like thyroid and adrenals and cortisol and where your hormones at um and also if there's a history of eating disorders is another important one um, so I ask for quite a thorough medical history when I'm looking at candidates to understand, you know, what biological programs they might be running, what constellations they might be running, which um, if you're not familiar with German New Medicine, constellations is the term for mental health challenges. So, yeah, just lots of different things. Again, like I said, it's, it's always down to the individual and mm-hmm. on a case-by-case scenario. Yeah. And I was thinking, so, and then you're there to kind of um, be a support for them through it, correct? Correct. As needed. And how then would you handle if, if you felt like somebody was potentially going to go into like a starvation conflict or um, any other conflict to be activated through it? Yeah. So that will generally show up like in my intake form. I've got some specific questions around Mm -hmm. things like that. And then obviously we have um, like a pre-chat and we have one-on-ones each week. So I would be speaking with them during the first week. So um, really it's about like looking at previously where they have potentially experienced something in the realm of starvation and how they handled that and looking at, you know, perhaps a resolution around that and really just preparing the mind. Like it's consciously having the person understand and direct their psyche that they can choose to eat food at any point in time during this journey, but they are choosing not to for a very specific reason. Um, So it's not that food is not available or love is not available or support is not available because starvation can be perceived in many different ways. Let's remember it's not necessarily just food. Um, So all those things are available to them. Um, They're just choosing not to consume food at the moment. And then, yeah, if anything comes up around like, you know, any kind of fear around not having something that they need, we work through that when and if it comes up. Um, And that can be really powerful. That can be a resolution and a shedding of lots and lots of different things. So cool. I love it. I love learning about this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, cause you're like the first person in that's using like German new medicine, um, Germanic healing knowledge that I've spoken to that also has this, um, this foundation of fasting and mm. using it in congruence, which is really cool to hear the, the relationship 
Yeah, it's a. I believe it's a really, really powerful duo. Like it's a super powerful combo because the, like I said, the fasting gives so much space and clearance on a physical level, mm-hmm. um, and also that mental level. Like things just become so emotionally and mentally clear on a fast. Right. Um, yeah. So it yeah. can work really powerfully. Yeah, I mean, especially if you are somebody who eats for comfort and you're not having that. Yeah. Um, crutch and also just until we do any kind of fast even just like a three-day fast it's like we have no idea how much food rules our entire life and how we're constantly thinking about it and thinking about what the next meal is going to be and what we're going to eat like it's like it's really taking up space this idea of food in your in your mind (laughs) totally yeah have you fasted before you sound like you might have done um I've done um I, I've done, um, I've experimented with like a series of weekly 24 to 36 hour fasts. Yeah, cool. Um, I've done a lot of intermittent fasting, which I know is not the same, but still good for the digestive system yep, to absolutely. take a break. Um, and then I've done a uh, three day fast and a five day juice fast. Super cool. Yeah, that's great. How'd you go with your five day? I hated it. Perfect. <laughs> um, I really felt so tired, like and fatigued. Yeah. Now here's the funny thing. I totally did it over Christmas in the winter. I don't think the situation was necessarily like the most optimal situation, you know, and I didn't really have any kind of like support and um, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think it wasn't um, the right, just the right, overall environment for it to be the most successful um but I just remember feeling the whole time like why am I doing this to myself (laughs) like this is so dumb why do I do these things like yeah I just I um you know but I got through it but I was definitely like I was definitely tired I think mostly I just wanted to sleep to avoid thinking about being hungry (laughs) yeah you know like what you've just shared is actually something I hear so commonly um it's a really really common I don't want to say mistake but maybe assumption that you can just like roll in to a fast like Mm. just roll in and do it um and it doesn't sometimes you can pull it off but it often doesn't work out well because of all the things that we've just spoken about like preparing for it mentally preparing for it physically probably not doing it like winter's not the best time to do it Mm-mm. you know prepare prepare yourself create some space around it get my clients to kind of clear their calendar as much as they can and all these little things um and the other really important part actually that just came to mind then as you're speaking about about that is the breakfast. So the breakfast, from my experience, can make or break the fasting journey. Um, it's another massively important part of the fasting process. Like I think people actually underrate how important the doing a breakfast properly is. Um, and yeah, I've actually like worked with people and had to re-fast people who ran into a fast themselves and then broke it <laughs> not in a very great way and then ended up with issues and complications because they didn't break their fast properly and so then mm. we've had to go back and refast and redo the process and reset the body again and hands up total disclosure I completely stuffed up <laughs> my first breakfast as well I did not listen to my coach at the time I just like 
yeah, did all the wrong things, but I now have a really brilliant experience to tell my clients like what not to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's the one thing I would say that was really interesting for me was, um, to notice that I wanted to sleep to dodge the, the, the sensations of hunger. Right. But like that, like how you do anything's how you do everything. And like mm-hmm. that really does correlate too to noticing where in my life I want to sleep to avoid my feelings. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um really. and to avoid hard stuff, you know. So it's it's there's still always something to be learned through in any experience. Yeah. Look, self-awareness is, you know, mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's one of my so mm-hmm. superb self-awareness and radical self self-responsibility are two of my core principles that I teach and try to live by. Um, and that's yeah. what you've just expressed there is like self-awareness. It's like, oh, yeah, I see that I do this, <laughs> not yeah. just in the fast but in life. One mm-hmm. of the questions I also ask, tend to ask clients on a fast when they say that they're hungry, first of all, I say, uh, do, you think, do you feel like you're going to die right now if you don't eat? And most of them say no. So I'm like, okay, so you're not starving. <laughs> you're not physically starving. Um, and then, so if we know that you're not physically starving, what are you hungry for? Mm -hmm. And that question often opens up Pandora's box in terms of emotional starvation. So it's often things like attention or love or, um, you know, understanding of self or self-worth. There's so many different things there. Uh, but yeah, like superb self-awareness and radical self-responsibility is where it starts. That's for me, I believe that's where everything starts when it comes to creating an optimal state of health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because if you look even through the lens of GNM, well, I know, you know, and speak of self-awareness, I know it's like, okay, well, I also know that I tend to feel fatigue often and I tend to feel fatigue during periods where I feel like I have decisions to make and I'm almost dodging making those decisions because mm-hmm. I'm stuck in this idea that there's a right decision and a right path versus a wrong path. Yeah. And when you look through that lens of GNM, you can, there's um like a, what's the conflict? It's like a, it's like a path conflict, like right path conflict or something what yeah is there's one there's the um, overwhelm conflict yeah the overwhelm um, which has to do with like making um feeling like you made wrong decisions or you're not on the right path yeah and and that can lead to fatigue and so mm, it's like yeah. it all connects you know totally um, yeah and also just from a um like a psychological point of view you know like the weight of making the psychological weight of feeling like you have to make the decision and going back and forwards between it is often way more than the actual thing itself. So the right. energy that we're using to go, oh, is this right or this wrong or which way? Oh my God, you know, brain overload is sometimes way more than just going, okay, I'm doing that and let's see what happens. And so one of my favorite sayings there is like, there is no failure, only feedback. So there is no wrong path. You just pick one and you get feedback from that path. And the feedback might be, this is really good. This is working out well, sweet. We'll continue down this path. Or the feedback might be, this is really crap. (laughs) I don't want to be going down this path. So this is the point where I turn around and I try the other path, but it's all just feedback, right? It's not failure. 
Um, and I right. find that that really helps in that decision-making process as well. Hmm. I like that. I like that um, feedback instead of failure. It's a good one. Okay. So Nellie, what we've been talking a lot about like the fasting and all that stuff. And you already explained how the combination of studying the GNM and the fasting is what really was a catalyst for change in your life. Mm. So what were some of the ways early on that GNM did help you through healing? Sure. Um, so not necessarily this one's a healing, but one of the biggest impacts that GNM had on my life was changing the way that I parent. <laughs> so I realized that I guess what GNM taught me was that we have quite a responsibility when we know GNM because we understand that the way that we behave and speak to people can, you know, can potentially set off conflicts. Now, radical self-responsibility is always up to the individual about how they perceive that communication or perceive that event. But when we're talking things like kids, you know, they're not necessarily at that point of that self-responsibility and that um, self-awareness. And so the way that we interact and speak to and behave with our children can have a massive impact on their health and well-being. So Germany medicine really changed things there for me in terms of how I parent. I really became um, a lot more patient and really tried to soften how I parented, I guess, not in a walk all over me, got no boundaries way, but just in a way that was not inviting massive conflict. Um, so opening them up much better communication lines with my daughter. That was definitely a big impact that learning GNM had on my life. And then um, I have for a lifetime suffered with lots and lots of different musculoskeletal pain. So lots of neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, all that sort of thing. And again, through the Germany medicine lens, there were massive changes there. So uh, the musculoskeletal system responds to what we call self-devaluation conflicts which is basically anything where you perceive you have not been enough in some way. So we've got, you know, fast enough, strong enough, smart enough, good enough, all the enoughs. Um, so the musculoskeletal system responds to self-devaluation and then it's got all the different sub-themes through the different parts of the body. So, for example, the neck is self-devaluation in the realm of emotional or academic intelligence. Um, the lower back is self-devaluation in uh, relationship to feeling overburdened, overwhelmed, completely shattered, unsupported, that sort of thing. So when I looked at all these different themes that were going on and showing up in my body, again, that was such a, it opened such a brilliant and beautiful pathway for me to explore where I was basically not valuing myself and not bringing my full worth to the table or not feeling like I was worthy. And so that exploratory journey in resolving those sorts of things obviously had a massive impact on how I felt physically because I was able to resolve a lot of pain programs, but also it had a massive impact on my life in general as a person because I stepped into taking responsibility for how I perceived things and how I thought about myself and how I felt about myself. And I increased my sense of self-worth, self-love, self-value. So that 
impacted, you know, my career, my partnership, my parenting again, my friendships, just every element of life was impacted by that journey that was instigated by the theme that my symptoms gave me to work on, which is one of the things I love about German New Medicine is that the themes are so, like, they're so clear, they're there, and we can use them to create a physical resolve, but they also have a massive impact on our personal evolution and our lives, which is super cool. (laughs) It's like a double, you know, double win, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of ways, and then I guess, like, the really sort of big, pivotal, convincer moment for me was um heads up there's going to be a bit of a tmi share here too much information for some people but i had a really gnarly case of thrush for about two years running um and it started when we moved into the house where we are now and so i knew i i knew the basis of the conflict i knew that it had to do with a a sexual conflict that i had experienced when i was around age six but I couldn't quite find the nuance of, of the relationship of, of what the real, um, you know, shock piece had been for me. And so for two years, I explored this experience that I had had and the different ways that I perceived it and the different things that I had made it mean. Dealt with thrush for pretty much two years straight. I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm not taking medication for this. I want to work it out. And there was this light bulb moment and I remember it so clearly and I actually got in contact I got in touch with um the mother of someone who was involved in this circumstance and something completely unraveled it was something in her communication that basically I felt my whole body shift in that moment and I knew that there was no conflict in my body anymore. That that had been completely resolved, finalized, wrapped up. It was a massive relief. And I didn't really think too much about it at the time. But a few days later, my partner kind of asked how I was going. And I was like, oh, my God, it's gone. <laughs> like it's completely gone, just totally gone. There was no sign of it whatsoever, the thrush anymore. And I have never had a bit since like it it totally wrapped up. I've not had a sign of it since. Um, and so I just knew in that moment that that one was completely finalized and wrapped up and it was so spot on with the GNM theme. And, and even though I had already been working with Germany medicine for a few years, that was definitely my like total clarity, totally convinced a moment was actually feeling that very visceral shift in my body. And then, Um, witnessing obviously the physical changes after that and again like I was taken on this beautiful amazing self-exploration and resolution resolution and healing journey through the theme that was attached to that symptom like I not only got relief from the symptom but I got relief from something that had been weighing me down and impacting my life for nearly 30 years (laughs) so that was yeah, that was definitely one of those moments for me. Um, so a couple of big ones just to, yeah, share some real-time real time goodness there. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because sometimes when we're stuck in, you know, <clears throat> chronic illness or when we're dealing with chronic pain, um, we get so hyper-focused on thinking that if just the pain would go away, mm. I'd be so happy without realizing 
how it's always so much more than just the pain. There's a reason that the pain or sickness is there. Yeah. And how you said you were able to like, not only release this like case of thrush and that was probably so much relief, but you let go of something that in a sense, your body, your mind had been holding on to for a lifetime. Oh yeah. Like something in a lot of ways, like something much bigger and the way that that was impacting my life in so many levels as well. Like being able to completely resolve that is huge. Like I still get goosebumps now thinking about it and just, um, yeah, what it's meant to be able to let go of that. Or actually I don't even like, um, there's something come up recently. I don't actually like the term let go. (laughs) Um, I don't really resonate with letting go of things. I actually prefer to say like let in. (laughs) So, you know, can we let in all of our experience? Can we let in the full spectrum of everything that we've been through and felt? And can we let in the full spectrum of our emotions and our experiences and all these things? And can we own them completely and fully? And that's again, where we take that radical self-responsibility and by complete ownership and letting it all in, then we can make a conscious choice to move forwards. Whereas I find like with the term letting go, there's almost a sense of loss, um, which sometimes the psyche doesn't like, and it might not want to let go of something. It might not want to lose something. Um, so yeah, just, just a little side note, I've been kind of switching terminology there lately um, to letting in as opposed to mm. letting go. I love that. I really love that. And it's so like language we know is so powerful. So So yeah, how, how our subconscious is perceiving or responding to certain language does play a huge difference. And yeah, I could see that. Like I could see somebody having an experience and being like, wait, but I don't want to like let go or forget about this. Cause truthfully, every experience we have is actually a part of us. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's my view too. And so we don't, really necessarily want to let go of these parts of us but we want to let them in and feel them and acknowledge them for what they were in the moment and then make a really empowered choice to be able to move forwards with that knowledge with that experience but in a happier healthier way Mm, I love that so much um I also want to point out like for people listening uh you know I'm guilty of this. Like we learn about something, you know, like say German new medicine, we're like, yeah, cool. Like I have the, the knowledge, you know, and, and now I know what I need to do to heal. And, and then we want it now. We want it right now. And we think yeah. it should all, all happen in the now. And you, I just wanted to point out, like it took you two years and you knew in depth about this body of knowledge. And it yep. still took you two years of doing inner work and exploration to get to the actual resolution of this one conflict. And yeah. um, I, I just love that because, I mean, I don't love that it took you so long, but I do love that there's realness to that and that you like, while we would love to think that German new medicine is just cut and dry, like, Oh, this is uh, this conflict. And you just find that exact situation and boom, it's done. It's like, no, maybe there's a situation you had and you do have to explore it from different angles because to, I, from what I've understood is like you and I could both go through like the same life situation and the conflict that you end up in could be so vastly different from the conflict that I end up in because of different perceptions. Correct. Yeah. It's all and so, based on yeah, perspective. Yeah. And so like when we're looking into like things that happen to us 
um, a lifetime ago, it's not so cut and dry and so easy to just be like, oh, well, that happened and it was this specific type of conflict. Um, it could have been like, well, I could have taken it any number of ways and perceived it in my body in so many different ways. And so it can be a journey of exploring. And I think that requires grit and patience and um, faith because I think that sometimes we quit too soon, you know, maybe we're right there on the cusp and, and we quit and we stop trying and you could have done that at any point in those two years, but you didn't. And then you got this massive reward from, um, from staying open. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's really amazing to yeah acknowledge the realness of that. And, um, yeah, that it's not always an instant, thing sometimes it is like I've worked with people and it's taken us one session to resolve their pain but the flip side to that is that yes sometimes it does take longer and there's layers we've also got to remember like this was a conflict that I experienced when I was like six so we've got 30 years of the body and mind dealing with this and probably lots of re-triggerings and layerings along the way as well and so you know can we expect to resolve 30 years of programming in a day or a session right well, sometimes maybe but often maybe not and there were layers to that journey and I knew I was on the right track but it had nuances and this is something with German new medicine is often we see like it's not a cut like you said it's not a cut and dry theme or process there's often really subtle nuances in the programs and in the individual's experience and to give you an example something really interesting about um, this experience for me was that it wasn't actually the, um, the specific moment of like sexual trauma that was actually the DHS, the moment of DHS or the moment of shock for me. That's not actually what it was for me. It's like, it's not what you would have thought it was for me. It was actually being walked home after and, I remember very, very clearly being absolutely petrified that my mum was going to find out about what had happened and I was going to be disowned. Mm. That was the massive conflict for me. It wasn't necessarily what had actually happened in the what most people would perceive to be the trauma moment. It was the, the feeling after. And it was when I started to resolve that piece that the biological program wrapped up. So yeah, it's like there's often layers and threads to this and we just have to explore. And this is why it can be great to work with someone else because, you know, sometimes other people can open up little boxes for us or ask questions or, you know, help us look through little windows and doors that maybe we wouldn't have seen ourselves from, from the perspective of where we were sitting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I love that. And I think that's just so important to highlight. Cause I do know that like, um, I do know it can be so easy to just like try one thing, you know, just go to, like you said, go to that point of trauma where you think it should be and then be like, Oh, I resolved that, but I'm still sick. This doesn't work. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're, we're giving up often just too soon in that regard. Yeah. And sometimes we really have to listen with the body instead of the mind like sometimes it's not an intellectual process sometimes we have to get really quiet and really still and listen to the subtle shifts or feel into the subtle shifts in the body like when we think about the 
event that we believe is connected to the symptoms, where really is that like feeling of where's the emotional holding? Where's the emotional charge? It's not always where we think it might be. And um, so, like I said, not necessarily an intellectual process. It's often getting to know ourselves. And again, we're back at, you know, superb self-awareness here. It's like really getting quiet and getting to know our bodies and noticing those subtle shifts. Like where are the goosebumps? Where's the tension? Where's the emotional charge? Where do we feel like crying? Where do we feel angry? And yeah, hone in on those parts um, mm. from a from a feeling body rather than a thinking body. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. Um, you talked a lot about um, when you when you speak about the self awareness and radical self responsibility, and also when you did your fast, you said in the last couple of days you cried and had mm. a breakdown to a breakthrough, and you said you wrote everything down, everything that still charged you, everything that still triggered you, and you said this became your roadmap. And I've heard this term roadmap in the language of German New Medicine um, previously. So could you explain what you mean by roadmap? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of two different contexts here, actually, but interestingly enough, intertwined as well. So when we speak about German New Medicine being a roadmap, it's because German New Medicine isn't, it's not a modality. It's not a practice. It's not um, something we can use to resolve something in the psyche. It is a roadmap. It's a guidebook. So it gives us the very structured view of biological programs and symptoms and their relating themes. So it gives us the information about what's going on in the body and about what an individual has experienced in the way in which they've perceived it and where in the biological program they are in relationship to, are they in conflict active phase? Are they in healing phase? Um, you know, it get, that's the map, that's the guidebook, but it doesn't, it's not a modality. So then where we can use it is to map out what someone ex, someone's experience has been like and then use other modalities to help the individual create a resolution. And a resolution will always be created either in a, a practical real-time sense or in that perceptual change. Basically, the psyche has to be convinced that the original DHS or original shock is no longer a problem and it won't be in the future. It has to be happy that that's finalized and it's, it doesn't need to adapt anymore to help us through that. Um, so that's the German New Medicine roadmap piece. When I spoke about writing everything down at the end of my fast and that becoming a roadmap for me, I guess that was more along the lines of like, yeah, just acknowledging that everything that I was still holding onto in terms of emotional charges. And then I kind of used, not necessarily in a, um, like in a really con, it's not like I sat there and kind of ticked it off the list of this list that I wrote, but it definitely kind of sat there in my mind as all the things that I knew it was time to resolve or it was time to let in the experience of and acknowledge the experience of and move forward from or move mm. forward with. Um, so that, that kind of be, became a roadmap for me to my personal evolution and my journey towards, you know, a better state of health and happiness. So yeah, two kind of different roadmaps, but also 
related. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So you ex- how, you explained um, how German New Medicine, Germanic healing knowledge is not a tool. It's not a modality. And I think that's so important because I think there's a lot of people that are just overwhelmed with all these different modalities and tools and programs and ways to do things or ways yeah. to heal. And then they hear about this and they're like thinking it's just one more tool. And it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's like, I always say, no, it's like a body of knowledge. It's an understanding. Yes. And and so within that, um, we can use an infinite number of tools or modalities to address the healing um, through your personal experience coaching and through your own personal life experience. What have you found to be the most supportive tools and modalities outside yeah. of fasting? Because we know that that's, <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I will say that like not everyone in the Germany medicine world agrees with fasting either, by the way, um, yep. there is, yeah, that, that is a bit of a, um, an interesting topic <laughs> because of the potential it has to set off, um, you know, various programs, if not monitored and guided properly. But anyway, back to the question, um, modalities that I've found that are really useful in conjunction with Germany medicine as the roadmap. So, like I said, interesting that I studied my NLP practitioner certificate back in the day as a personal tool because that has a massive place in the work I do now. So basically anything that can help with perceptual change is really, really helpful. So neuro-linguistic programming, um, one that I've come across recently that I absolutely love and is phenomenal is the Martini method. So I have to say here, I am not a um, certified Martini facilitator, although it's on my bucket list coming up very shortly. Um, something I would, I would, next certification I'd love to do. Um, however, there's a woman called Tanya Cross, who I highly recommend um, at this point in time as a Martini facilitator. So the Martini method takes an individual through uh, a set, like a, 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 um, a step-by-step process to creating perceptual change of events that one might consider to be traumas or shocks. So that is a huge one. Um, And the interesting thing is like I was already kind of integrating the principles and the questions that Martini method um, poses without actually knowing what it was or like prior to me actually even discovering Martini. So it was then interesting to come across Martini and see it put into a very structured step-by-step process. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of already asking some of these questions. That's cool. Um, but yeah, Martini highly recommend checking that out. Any, any sort of neuro-linguistic programming uh, processes where perceptual change is involved. And then, you know, a lot of like emotional expression um, and sort of psychological um, psychotherapy techniques in terms of acknowledgement of the current state, things like anger release techniques, you know, just sometimes just letting someone cry about an event, like really helping them to cry deep, deep, deep sobs and tears and fully emotionally express what it was like to be them in that moment, I've seen just that go a long way to helping resolve programs purely by the sharing of that information. Because one of the things that Dr. Harmer said that was involved in creating this, um, you know, DHS and biological program is a sense of isolation. So a sense that we are in this on our own, we have to deal with it on our own, we don't have support and help. So yeah, I've seen people come to a resolution purely by sharing 
and being given, not that we should ever have to be given permission to emotionally express, but some some people do. Like, you know, then this is a whole other topic on like the good girl syndrome, right? And the patriarchal society that's told us that we shouldn't cry and that anger ba- anger is bad and all these different things. So sometimes when somebody's given like a little nudge or permission slip to actually fully express their anger or fully express their grief, that can go a long way towards a resolution. Um, there are some people that use things like hypnosis. I sort of tend not to go towards that because hypnosis I find is a more unconscious change. So it might work for a period of time, but because the change hasn't been made in the person's um, conscious perception, then we run the risk of having like tracks and triggers as well. Um, So they might be put on you know, they might re-experience the event and then the program starts again, if that makes sense. So even though I'm certified in hypnosis, it's not one I tend to use a lot. I would generally prefer to help the candidate come to a conscious understanding and conscious change of what, you know, what's going on. Um, and then a lot of it that I work with, to be honest, is quite intuitive. Like it's just having people speak to different parts of their body um, rearrange the way that they see an event. Um, I will integrate like little bits of, uh, breath work and somatic release and all these different, yeah, tools. Um, lots of people use things like kinesiology can be really powerful as well. But yeah. That, like you said, there's kind of an infinite <laughs> toolbox and it's really about what the specific individual needs and responds best to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, lots of lots of tools. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe we could spend a few minutes um, just maybe addressing some of the most common chronic symptoms that show up in the community. And maybe just, and I know it's obviously like, especially what we just talked about, it's complex, you know, like how we talked about the two years of you finding the right, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty and finding the real moment that was the conflict shock. Um, So I understand it's like super complex, but if there is somebody who's listening and they just really are genuinely not in a place financially where they can afford support with like a one-on-one practitioner and they want some practical tools on how they could begin to um, inquire into what's going on in their body on their own, maybe we can just do a couple examples of ways that people can self-support. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I mean, the thing is like with perceptual change, effectively you can, like anyone can teach themselves perceptual perceptual change. Get that word out of my mouth. Um, Anyone can really teach themselves that and come to that. That is a, we just need to be open-minded and be willing. Again, we're back here at the radical self-responsibility. Are we willing to be open to changing our minds about an event. And so just even some questions that I, you know, ask that we can all ask ourselves if we're able to find that moment of conflict, some really simple questions that can be super beneficial are things like, how is this event or how is it that this event happened for me rather than to me? 
where was the benefit, value, learning and growth in this event? If this event, you know, if I was watching this event play out with, say, my best friend, how would I have perceived it differently as to, you know, how I experienced it? Would it mean something different if I was looking at it from an outside perspective? Um, and then, you know, when we come to things like, so one of the most common ones is those musculoskeletal system, um, you know, chronic pain, which is that self-devaluation uh, conflict. And so a big one, you know, a question I often ask people is like, okay, so if this was your best friend or your daughter or your loved one in this event, would you say the same thing to her as what you're saying to yourself right now? Because a lot of it is like, oh man, like I didn't do well enough in that event or I really screwed that up or I wasn't good enough there. And I'm like, well, if you watched your best friend go through that event, is that how you'd be speaking to her? And like 99 times out of a hundred, the answer is no. And I'm like, okay, so then why you? Um, so, you know, just some questions like that, that we can start asking ourselves and yeah, really it's all down to perceptual change. Um, what's another question? It's all along those lines, benefit, value, learning and growth. How's this happening for me instead of to me? Um, what would you say to your best friend? I'm just trying to rack my brains for or how, like, where was my role? Where was my responsibility in creating this scenario? How might I have invited this event, event into my life for my greater good? Um, meaning is a big one. Like, what am I choosing to let this event mean about me? Um, or what else could it mean? is a really big one for self-devaluation as well. And sort of one of my um, like flagship quotes is that nothing means anything at all other than the meaning that we choose to attach to it. So if you can grasp that one as like a core concept, that is a complete game changer in itself. So when we experience a conflict or an event that we perceive to be traumatic, so often we're attaching a meaning to it and if we can break down that meaning and re-choose what we're letting that event mean um, that often is a massive neutralizer for people um, so what else is a really cool yeah musculoskeletal systems really common um, lots of digestive problems so yeah. a lot of the digestive system responds to indigestible Morsel conflicts, there's often um, elements of like anger and ter territorial in there. Um, so, you know, what is it that you feel like you can't digest about this event? And again, helping the psyche see that actually that event was completely digestible. How is it that it was, it was actually perfect for your path, perfect for your experience? How did it actually serve in you coming closer to your priorities in life um, and so again like so much of this starts with just that self-awareness you've got to know what's the language you're using internally you've got to know what are your priorities in life you've got to know how am I responding to things and then take that radical self-responsibility for um, yeah all the events that are happening in life how you've co-created them and what you're letting them mean mm -hmm. yeah absolutely do you think that we always have to find the exact moment and the exact situation that created the um, DHS? Mm, that's an interesting question. 
So like the hardcore traditional German New Medicine um, crew would say yes to that as far as I'm aware. However, that hasn't necessarily been my firsthand experience. I think it definitely helps, but, um, you know, sometimes people just can't even remember back Mm -hmm. when things started. Um, Yeah, yeah. And that can be really limiting then because if you're like, I don't remember, you know, very much of my childhood and you can be like almost like, then how am I ever going to heal? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Correct. So the question that I found really beneficial there is to ask, okay, so we know the theme of what happened because of the symptom that you're experiencing. And then so I ask, so how is this live in your life right now? Because something is carrying it forwards, right? There might have been an initiating moment but also something has carried it forwards however many years to where we are now. So how is that theme still live in your life today? Where is it showing up? And then, you know, sometimes we can kind of work backwards. It's like, oh, actually this is where it's showing up. Um, And I've seen lots of changes just happen from addressing what's what's live now. Um, And then the interesting thing is that often when we start to unravel from now backwards, sometimes along the process they actually do end up remembering what the original trigger was in the very beginning it's like the psyche kind of starts to feel safe to remember or unravels a little bit and things become clearer Um, so yeah that's my experience with that one Mm, that makes sense because I mean I could see how if you had something happen and then you have like 30 years of that pattern and theme in your life Mm -hmm. it could be so um, there could be so much um, emotional charge around it that maybe, yeah, maybe the psyche doesn't feel safe to go all the way back, but I could see that working backwards thing really playing, um, out well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you, in your personal practice, uh, support people who just want to utilize this body of knowledge, um, to be better parents? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, it's not something like that I have specialized in to this point in time, I sort of tend to say, um, you know, my main areas that I work in are with women, women's health, mental health challenges, but the parenting thing is definitely, it's come up a few times recently (laughs) Um, and it's definitely a live theme in a lot of people that come through uh, my academy where I teach German New Medicine. So I have a lot of um, mostly women (laughs) coming through and learning and a lot of their driver is their parenting and their kids and they're like wow this is you know so valuable to how I'm going to do life with my children from now on and I really do think that um, you know our kids are the future of Germany yeah. medicine like for example my daughter it's you know she's she gets this stuff now when she gets sick she comes to me and she's not like what pill can I take she's like mum what's the theme for this Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, you're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But if we can, yeah, start implementing this and start integrating it into our lives with our kids from an early age, my God, imagine how empowered they're going to grow up. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and not be like 40 years old trying to remember things that happened when they were two because they spent the last five years sick. 
Exactly. Yeah. So if they know about it, they can come like my daughter does, you know, straight away when she has a symptom, she's like, what's the theme? And I'm like, well, this is it. How does that, how do you feel about that? How does that relate? And she's like, oh yeah, well the other day, you know, so-and-so was really mean to me and this and then. So we talk about it. And like you've said, because it's fresh and it's live and we're addressing it then and there, she's not sick for weeks, months, years on end and 30 years down the track. She's (laughs) trying to figure out what happens. So, um, yeah, I just think it's such an amazing gift to give our kids is this knowledge and start weaving it in and just even to help them, you know, diminish and lessen the fear around illness, disease, as it's called, symptoms, you know, instead of like, oh, no, you know, I'm being attacked by a microbe or I've got bad genes or this or that, um, you know, yep. letting go of that fear around symptoms and it's just like well you know what your body's healing something because your body's really amazing like that how cool is that (laughs) yeah super empowering putting the power back in a child at a young age I mean I understand that all of our parents only did the best they could with the knowledge they had at the time but damn if my mom could have taught me that way around the body and illness and pain and discomfort when I was a kid like whoa yes (laughs) That is a gift. That is a gift for sure. Yeah. Um, so you said you support women, women's health, mental health challenges. And then you also said something about an academy where you teach GNM. Do you want to share a little bit of just about overall what you do and what you offer in general for people out there listening? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess the, the main things I love working with is definitely women's health, um, fertility. I have a special interest in mental health challenges being that I've been there myself um, and chronic pain. So musculoskeletal pain is one I love working with too. I'm going to say that working with musculoskeletal pain is a little bit of like a, um, not a selfish thing, but it's very satisfying because we can get really tangible results quite quickly generally. So that's like little woohoo moments, which is, you know, always (laughs) nice. (laughs) It's fun to help someone resolve that kind of thing. So I do love working with that. Um, and then, so that's my kind of one-on-one work. And then the Academy is called the new earth wellness empowered health Academy. And that's where I teach, um, an in-depth learning of the core values and principles and laws of Germany medicine and the background of it. Um, and also I'm not gonna say more importantly, but how to integrate them into our daily lives because for me that was something that was really missing when I first studied Germany medicine was like okay this is amazing like all the science is there the biology is there the process is there I can see how this is all makes sense but how the hell do I use it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and there wasn't much sort of support on that end so yeah the academy is where I teach Germany medicine but I also teach how you can integrate it into your lives into your lives with your children Um, how you can impact your family with it and that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, that's an online program. Um, It's actually just about to transition into an evergreen format, which means that you can come and join us anytime. And there's a community involved in that as well with um, weekly calls and an opportunity each week to practice implementing these things into our lives. And I guess the idea there is that we can like negate conflicts like we were just talking about with kids um, the idea is to get onto things quickly. So recognizing when we go into a conflict and recognizing how to negate a conflict um, and really staying on top of that week to week. So then basically we don't experience so many symptoms, <laughs> which is right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Is that for anybody at all who just wants to 
improve their personal quality of life or is that designed for people who want to actually then go on to be teachers? Well, so it's for both. Yeah. So it's designed for the everyday person. I do, like I said, I do tend to work more with women, but that's not to say that men or any, um, gender neutral specific, whatever you identify as can't come through that program. Uh, it's just who I tend to attract. Um, but yeah, so the everyday person can come through that course and that's really for implementing into everyday life. And then that leads into my practitioner's course as well. So it's a practitioner's integration course uh, because at this point in time, there is no such thing as a Germany medicine practitioner or certification. However, what I can teach you is how to um, integrate that knowledge as a holistic health practitioner where you might have other modalities that you bring into it um, and then integrate Germany medicine into that practice for more elevated, empowered uh, client success and results. So yeah, the everyday version leads into the practitioner's integration course. Ah, okay. And how can people get a hold of you? So my web, yeah, I do love to connect. I love to chat, obviously, like we're doing right here. Um, but yeah, very welcome. So my website is www.nellybwell.com. And uh, so there's that one. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram also, which is Nelly underscore New Earth Wellness. And they're the best two ways to get in contact with me. And yeah, just come say hi. Let me know what your deal is and where you are. And I love connecting with people from all over the world and just having good chats around this stuff. It's, you know, I just, like we were talking about with kids, the further we can get this education out to the world, it's just those little seeds, like what happened with me. It was just one seed in the conversation that blew up into complete life change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you one final question I ask everybody. If you could only share one message with the whole world for the rest of your life, and this includes your kids, your family, and everybody else, what would that message be? Ooh. I think I'm going to come back to that one where I say that nothing means anything if you allow it to be so. And the only meaning it does have is the one that you choose to attach to it. That is such a core message for me. And I just think that if, yeah, if you can grasp that one, there is so much freedom and empowerment in that statement. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome. All right. Nelly, thank you so much for connecting with me today and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, even sharing some of your personal experiences with us so that we can relate and connect and, you know, take what we learned today and apply it in our world, in our journeys. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you. I love all the work you're doing. I love your Instagram. I love everything you share. So thank you so much. Thank you, Chasmith. And yeah, it's beautiful. So honored to be on here. Thanks for inviting me on. An absolute pleasure. All right, friends, that's a wrap. And as always, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And I really hope that you will take on this social media fast. If you do benefit from the episodes on this podcast and you have not done so yet, please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcast, share your favorite episode on social media. And in the show notes, there is a link to a virtual tip jar to support future episodes. Please do not forget to make this week great.